Hello, everybody, and welcome to More of a Comment Than a Question. My name is Paul Connor, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague Smriti Mehta. Smriti, how are you this week? Uh, hey, Paul, I am good this week. You know, um, looking forward to next week. Um, we have a break. I mean, which really means that I will not have any meetings and I can just work in peace. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. How about you? Yeah, I had a good week. I was actually learning some new stuff, learning how to make shiny apps and interactive ah. graphs in R. So I feel like I've taken wow. my DataViz skills to the next level. Or Fancy. at least I'm on my way to the next level. But yeah, nice. um, oh, I did that thing with my lips again. God damn it! <laughs> that, that's okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I now know what the I know, now know what the signature of it looks like in the audio. So I just like go and delete them <laughs> right before <laughs> a you. lot of them before. <laughs> thank you. Thank before you. we publish it, yeah, you're welcome. So yeah. just irritating. Anyway, <laughs> um, we weren't going to record this week, right? Yeah, we were we, going to take a week off, but uh, exciting things are happening all yeah, over Twitterverse. Yeah. Um, yeah. That we have a real gate to talk about. We don't, <laughs> yeah. It's an actual gate rather than sort of a manufactured gate. So do you right. want right. to introduce what we're actually talking about this week? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to discuss this paper that was just published in Nature Communications. Um, it's titled The Association Between Early Career Informal Mentorship and Academic Collaborations and Junior Author Performance. Um, the authors are Badur al Shebli. Um, Kinga McCovey and Talal Ravan. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, who are, we should say where they're from. They're from um, yeah. Abu Dhabi. Uh, yeah, Abu Dhabi, Department of Computer Science, Science Division, New York University, Abu Dhabi. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, and why are we talking about this ostensibly obscure wonkish paper today? Yeah, I mean, I don't know who started it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently people are just like up in arms about this paper because, well, what they're looking at is just mentorship quality, like whether mentorship what mentorship quality and how it predicts scientific impact of the papers written by prodigies or like the advisees, mentees post-mentorship. Um, and what they find in their results, I mean, their, their main the main thing that they're trying to look at is whether how well connected the mentor is and how much the impact the mentor's work has, whether that has an impact on the mentee output or the mentee impact. And they do find that, you know, um, it does. So, and it's, it's bigger for what they're calling the big shot effect, right? So if you have mentors who have like higher impact, um, then their mentees also have a higher impact after they stop their mentorship. But they do this exploratory analysis of like, the relationship between gender and mentorship and what they're what they find is that when you have if you have female mentorship if you have female men- mentees with female mentors then that leads to like that has a negative impact on how uh, on how like your post mentorship you know scientific impact for female mentees but not so much for male mentees so that's what they find. They don't go into the mechanisms. They speculate, you know, a little bit, but they don't go into the mechanisms and they kind of put that as, you know, um, leave it for future research. But people thought that this was, you know, sexist and just like the worst thing I think that happened since, you know, Trump, I guess. Um, 
And yeah, people were super upset. There were they sent out like open letters to re- to retract this paper. Um, there's now like a little notice when you go to the website um, saying as of yesterday saying that we're looking into it. We've re- received a lot of criticism about it. Um, and just the whole Twitter was just blowing up with people saying, oh, I had a female mentor and this had a positive impact on my, you know, trajectory and all this stuff. So, yeah, people, yeah, see, seem to think that it's a, you know, sexist, problematic paper. Or their conclusions, at least, what they're saying are <laughs> highly problematic. I'll read out the sentences where they actually mention which people seem to have the most problem with. Um so on page five, like right before their discussion, they say that, um, you know, as shown in the figure, whatever, having more female mentors is associated with a decrease in mentorship outcome. Um, and their res- results suggest that by mentoring female instead of male prodigies, the female mentors compromise their gain from mentorship and suffer an average of loss of 18% of citations on their mentored papers. So what they also saw is that if, if female mentors have female mentees, then they're out. Then they also get less gain in the form of publications. Um, so yeah, I yeah. What did you What did you think, Paul? Um, hmm. I have a lot of thoughts, but I want to set the table a little bit more. Just talk about their methods mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's that's an important part of this. Right, um, right, right. So what they've done, um, it's a very sort of big data approach they've yeah. like accessed this enormous database i don't know how oh, how huge. many like three million pairs millions and millions of pairs of proteges yeah. and mentors so basically yep, they're, yep. they're just using um computers it's a microsoft it's called microsoft's yeah. academic graph data set yeah yeah um and they're yeah they're they identified yeah. three million mentorship pairs and, and so the way they operationalize mentorship is kind of interesting so mm-hmm. um what they do is basically they can find uh, when each author published their first paper right and they they consider that as the start of their academic career and mm-hmm. they count forward from that year so s- for yeah. that year for the next seven years people are considered junior and mm-hmm. then past seven years past your first publication you're considered senior and so what okay. they do with every paper is they look at is there a junior person and a senior person from the same institution? Mm-hmm. And if yeah. if so, this is considered a mentorship. Um, so, for example, my first publication uh, was twenty, maybe twenty sixteen. So I'd still be considered mm-hmm. a junior. And so right. everything that I've published at Berkeley people at Berkeley like Dhaka and Serena and Ellen Evers mm-hmm. they would be considered seniors they would be classed as, right. as mentors on all those papers right mm-hmm. um, and basically then what they're looking at is um, after each pairing so after each pairing of mentors and mentees they then mm-hmm. look at the future output of all of the researchers so like the future output of the mentee um, yeah. which they only consider papers where those mentors are not on the paper are not there, so they're no. like mm-hmm. really trying to get at though this is research you've done after you've uh, left the nest so to speak right. and you're producing <laughs> yeah. your own research and right. also for the mentor uh, their right. future research that's not with that mentee mm-hmm. um, so the core finding or the the finding well really what they focused on like you said was uh, the big shot effect what they call so like what holding constant like institution um holding constant uh field of research uh, all mm-hmm. sorts of things like year of publication year of uh, mentor mentee pairing is there an impact of 
the prior output of the mentor on right. the future output of the mentee and they find quite strong effects there so that's mm-hmm. interesting so that would suggest that even holding institution constant if you're right. getting mentorship say at berkeley from the big name big impact researcher at berkeley mm-hmm. the one with the more publications the more prior impact let's say like a daka keltner compared to like a jason or Konofua or something like that mm-hmm. then that will be reflected you're likely to get more um, publications in the future Um, And already you can sort of see how there might be sort of selection effects creeping in, right? Even at the same institution, you might get like slightly more advanced students working with the bigger name researchers. So like, it's not, it's not really surprising, like any of those, Mm -hmm. any of those findings. The really surprising thing in the paper is this gender thing. So essentially what they're showing is that um, based on like, if you're the mentee, if there's a higher proportion of your mentors are female and this is mm-hmm. this is actually interestingly holding constant the research impact of those mentors yeah. uh, the institution you're at the field you're in like all these mm-hmm. sort of control variables that they're trying to hold constant yeah all of these things, you yeah. go on to publish more the higher proportion of your uh, mentors are male um, as as classified by this classification system mm-hmm. and and so that's that's really the methodology that's how they came to the conclusion and so we should talk about this classification system because I was looking into it a little bit because I didn't know what it was mm-hmm. what they're calling the um, and we should also mention they're classifying gender just by name so they're using this um, genderize uh, uh, web application just to give sort of the first names and then it gives you a, a, a probable gender and it was interesting because it's not perfect right I I, right. I entered the name DACA and it suggested 56% likely to be female another of my co-authors <laughs> is a female Jordan Varney I entered the name Jordan and it said likely to be male oh. so this thing does have some error but it's like right. it's 80 to 90% accurate and yeah. those errors are not really likely to be capable of like creating the, a spurious finding like this. They're like that's just going to be noise that actually would make it harder in most cases to find an effect like they've found. Yeah, and so the technique they're using is called coarse and exact matching, okay. um, which they say is like used to established causal effect um, is commonly used to infer causality from observational data. Now I've never heard of this before, but I looked into it a little bit. And essentially, it seems like what you do is you take, you essentially create pairs. Yeah, it's, it's people, just and like you controlling match them. for yeah. covariance space. It's a, yeah, you like just bin, create these bins and yeah, match people on them. It, and holding then all the other, they hold like age constant and all these other things. Yeah. Um, number of mentors, year in which they published, yeah, scientific discipline, gender, rank affiliation. Yeah, um, <laughs> they definitely oversold matching as a causal inference technique like yeah we yeah i'm not we were taught matching in the causal inferences classes i took at berkeley but really like the conclusion is yeah it's just it's it's basically doing the same thing as controlling for covariates covariates. yeah it's cool it's not a black box that gives you causality at all i see so i think they oversold that but okay so the the paper sort of (sighs) I feel like everybody has lost their damn minds. <laughs> I I've been reading Twitter the last right. cu- couple of days, and I yeah. I don't I I feel like people are just making complete fools of themselves. The stuff that they're saying about this about this paper, like I saw um, just scientist after scientist 
saying ridiculous things like i saw one one neuroscientist saying something like oh these methods wouldn't pass first year methods class really what the what are you talking about what are you talking about like i teach first year methods class if one of my students did something like this wow yeah these these methods that these authors used i i think uh are like there there is no possible way in my mind that this is like uh, like low standard for us yeah, uh, a yeah. social science no, paper like not. it's no, it's no. to and and people are people are actually trying to claim that oh this is it's not about the conclusion like it's not that i don't like the conclusion yeah or, or that these authors are open to the possibility that males might be better mentors and women mm-hmm. but actually like if you the the authors don't really say that right like no. they they say that like the um having more male mentors might like benefit people so they they are they do, are having this um like causal causal inference and people yeah. are saying like yeah they're, they're going a bit too far into the in the causal inference but like actually they they use the word may and i think that when you have a correlation and you say mm-hmm. oh well this may imply mm-hmm. causality i actually think that that's fair game like because like yeah. if you have a correlation and you're saying well this is consistent with this causal story then right. what you're saying is true. So, but yeah. actually, but they're not, they never sort of really make the claim no. that males are better mentors than women. And in fact, in in the paper, if you actually read it, they're open mm-hmm. to all these possibilities that are like totally consistent with this worldview that like actually like this effect exists because science is like not fair to women and science yeah. gives more opportunities to male. So of like, course, I mean, yeah, they mentioned like the specific drivers um, could be multifold, right? Female mentors serving on more committees so that re- reduces the time that they invest. Women take our, take on more less recognized topics, yeah. um, which their projects might. And I was thinking, yeah, female mentors might have more childcare you yeah. know responsibility yeah. so which lowers you know how much time they can invest in their I mean, another mentees. possibility that, be- that nobody's talked about is that like female female mentor mentees yeah. may just continue working with each other for longer right oh. like you you might just yeah. keep working with serena after you leave berkeley keep publishing papers with her those papers right. won't be counted in the in counted. their analysis right like it hmm. There's just so many... So much, yeah. I just think, like, yeah, there's this data that, like, it's ambiguous, could be interpreted in multiple ways. Yeah. And people have just lost their minds because they're just... They don't agree. ...imagining this world in which people, like, take this take this finding and then like nobody wants to work with female mentors anymore or or nobody (laughs) wants to take on female mentees and... Oh man! Like if if you want to talk about like problematic causal inference, like, like all these people are like this paper's horrible because they do bad causal inference, and it's it's going to be incredibly harmful for women because of my, because of this causal inference that I'm just I'm just jumping to. And, right. Oh, another interesting thing about this is like this paper was written by a woman of color, yeah, like a young from the Middle East, like a young yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like, isn't it? I he like. So I was thinking like what, you know, what we often hear is that like, oh, we need more diversity in science because these yeah. people like different people from different parts of the world, like young, if we like young women of color from Abu yeah. Dhabi, they're going to bring right. in like fresh perspectives and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Okay. So here's a young woman from Abu here's Dhabi a- <laughs> and she's coming in with a fresh perspective that, oh, well, you know, like maybe like it's it can harm people to have too many female mentors for some reason. And it's like, no, well, we don't, we don't want that Wanna perspective. Hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just... it's crazy. And 
I was just thinking, like, yeah, imagine like this, like young, you know, researcher who's published in Nature Communications. Like, how exciting that must be! And now all these people are piling on these. Like uh, how awful! For, well, okay, so like, how awful? Yeah, like all these people calling for the paper to be retracted. Yeah, it's absurd. Uh, yeah, I guess. Like, mm, I was hoping maybe we disagreed so we could have a more interesting conversation because well, you were saying, "Oh, yeah, like female mentorship. This is something important to me." But it is. It's totally absurd. Like, when t- did I say female mentorship is important? Oh, uh, I thought to me. you maybe in our original Twitter messages about this topic. I thought you I said, said mentorship oh, was a touchy topic. Touchy for topic me. to me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like seeing all these people call for the retraction of the paper and I'm seeing people like some psychologists call for the retraction of the paper and like trying to like say that that's mainly about methodological concerns. It's because like, Oh, the the gender classifier is not perfect or Mm -hmm. like the mentor mentee uh, classifier is not perfect. And I like, really? Hey, okay. You like, you're, you're just showing you don't really understand measurement error. And, and like what, yeah. what the actual effect of measurement error is. B, like if you have some argument as to how this classifier could go wrong as to produce this, this effect like spuriously, right. give me that. Like don't, yeah. just, don't just tell me, oh, the measure's not perfect because you yourself mm. have never used a perfect measure because you're doing psychology, <laughs> because it's really hard to get a perfect measure. Right. Right. And just like, ah, oh, the just the... And then, like the, the 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 offense that's taken to the suggestion that this is about politics, right? Like the the, yeah. the like how like how dare you suggest that this is our outrage is because <laughs> because we don't like the conclusion. Yeah, our outrage I mean, is because this is shoddy science. Like, oh my god! I know. The, I mean, the open letter. I mean, the language that this one person had used in this open letter that somebody had signed was it. It was so strong, and I couldn't. I was like, how could you? make mm. such a statement um let me look it up real quick mm. and then yeah and other people are like oh this is so damaging to women and now women have to take on the responsibility to and i'm just like yeah but these authors are also women like what about yeah. them yeah. you know well the first author is a woman I, are the second and third i, I didn't look at their um profiles but i mean just going yeah. by their names mm. um yeah uh, i would I, I would guess so but I'm not I'm not totally sure. This is a letter, um, but anyway, it says, like, let me be blunt. For the good of the global scientific community and for the reputation of nature communications, you must retract this paper. For the good of the global scientific community. Mm. I I don't understand that. Like, it... it, Yeah. I don't know, Smriti. Like, one thought I had is that, okay, we're in psychology, which is, like, very, very sort of, like, female centric right like um most social psych grad students are females we don't maybe we are just sort of blind to how like sexist and like male dominated Mm. other scientific fields are and so maybe you like if you're a woman in biology or chemistry or physics maybe you do like experienced like uh gender sexist oppression all the time and and it, it it could harm you uh, if this paper's published and people start to think, oh, you know what that nature... nature but, yeah. I, I mean, there's definitely... I'm sure there's sexism, in, like, especially in STEM fields, right? I, I'm sure there are professors walking around thinking that women just aren't capable of doing science. Mm. I, I don't doubt that at all. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember, like, in the Ali G show, uh, 
when he was like the the very first skits he did with Borat, one of them he went to like Oxford or Cambridge or something oh. and he was talking to some like really old professor, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Sir, I I'm here at Oxford. I see there are women. Why are there women <laughs> here at Oxford?" And the professor was like, "Well, you know, um women possess half the intelligence and capability of the human species. However, oh, 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 I see. The only difference is they do not think creatively. And this guy like he was basically, yeah, he was basically saying to Borat that he was he like in his mind like women are just missing some some part of their mind to be able to like produce like creative (laughs) Mm, creative creative academic work now Mm. granted i mean this was the 90s this guy was super old he already looked like a professor (laughs) emeritus type type guy i saw like i don't know how how common this belief is but it it i don't think it's really part of our world in psychology which is maybe i mean or maybe people just don't say stuff like that out loud anymore Mm. right yeah, may, may, maybe. I I don't know. I mean, the the I guess there's definitely like I mean, you, re- you remember the James Demore memo, the Google memo? Um Oh, oh. Who is this uh Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coder mm, I remember at Google that. and he was sort yeah. of making the argument that like it's it's misguided to expect that we would have 50% female yeah, coders female at, in tech, at, yeah. at Google. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just interests are different between because yeah men and interests women. are different um and i think he he was like at least open to the possibility that like uh abilities are different like there's d- men excel at uh certain things and women excel at other things and, and like well, but but i mean but that doesn't discount the fact that there is this culture that isn't hospitable to women in a lot of cases right mm-hmm. you have these these tech buildings are just these like man caves right with video game rooms and all this stuff right I, like well that's that's not my experience of airbnb but that's really the only tech company i've ever been inside because my wife i mean i've heard people talk about yeah. that you know just going into these spaces and not feeling you know comfortable or welcome or yeah you know so i'm sure there's a bit of that as well but i don't but i also don't disagree that yeah you know women like different things than men and in mm-hmm. some cases i mean when you talk about things like if you're like, if you want to go into math, right? I mean, mm. the the kind of culture that exists in a lot of these disciplines, I can see how women not not that they don't have the the competence for it is just not something mm. you want, right? Mm. Like, you just don't want to be in those environments because mm. you it's isolating, it's mm. you know just super competitive, and yeah, maybe some women just don't want to be in those environments. So there's that too. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, philosophy is another one. Right, um, right, right. I remember, Super male heavy. Yeah. yeah, there was some stark statistics about like um, in undergrad philosophy, it's about fifty-fifty male female. But then, as soon yeah. as you get into like uh, postgrad Grad programs, yeah. um, it like the the women just leave that field. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I was I was a philosophy under mm. like minor in undergrad, and I remember sometimes being yeah one of like two or three women in the mm. classroom mm. um so i you know i feel like it exists also to a certain extent at the undergrad level but yeah, yeah maybe overall yeah it's yeah. it's interesting though because like even this idea that uh well there's certain environments that women don't want to be in it, it right. it's implicitly acknowledging that like there's gender differences in what we like and what we don't like right because if you know if there are different environments that females 
don't like and males like, you're sort of acknowledging the main point that, ah, well, that, you know, the genders like different things, so are drawn to different things. And I mean, yeah, I guess you would say, well, yeah. But also. That means like we need to change these environments mm-hmm. to make them more hospitable to women. Right. Right. right, um, right. And I think like uh, there's some research showing that you can, you can do that. Um, can you, can you do it? Uh, to the extent that like you'll just naturally end up with 50% female coders at Google. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's like a, that's like an open question. I but yeah. So I guess like the point I was trying to make is like in STEM, in hard sciences, they're, they're probably, I think people are open to the idea that like, yeah, maybe there's, there's gender differences in, um, like mean levels of aptitude but like does anybody believe even the person who thinks that well on average males like coding more Mm. like that even if you believe that does that necessarily mean if there's a female coder you're gonna treat her like shit or like i i guess like you might stereotype people and make assumptions about them and or like yeah like if not want to work with them if you make it the assumption that oh, I don't think that this code is as good or something like That's that. That's good enough. I don't... Yeah, I don't... I don't know. I don't know either. I think, like, <laughs> gender is... Yeah. So complicated. But, I mean, really we, we were like briefly this. discussing it in our lab because mm. I brought this paper up. Mm. And, you know, Serena was like, yeah, maybe it is the case that when mm. we're talking about impact, it could be the case that... Yeah, female mentors are not, you know, pushing their mentees to do, like, aim higher or mm. not connecting, like, in just mm. social capital, right? If you're a man, mm. there's more men in the field and you probably have just more connections. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I want this on the podcast, but I will say, like, in my NSF proposal, I had written at the end that, you know, whatever I'm proposing, I'm the ideal candidate to do this research. Mm. <laughs> and Serena changed it to, like, great candidate. Mm. And I was like, no, oh. but I honestly think I am. But like, I'm not just saying it. <laughs> yeah. I am the ideal person for this job. And it was almost a little like heartbreaking because yeah. I was like, well, if my own advisor doesn't think oh, I'm no. ideal for this the work, ideal. then why should anybody else? You know? And I don't know if, yeah, I, I don't know if that's a gender thing, but it could be right that women are just interesting telling other women to not be as like because it is like being overconf like right mm. is almost seen as a male mm. quality and i can see how some mm. people probably yeah. don't like that in women and want women to be less aggressive right, like right. i can be pretty aggressive what yeah so like just yeah certain certain sort of um mentorship style characteristics that are associated with gender are rubbing off you're saying like yeah. from the mentors to the mentees right. and one thing that like male mentors might be sort of giving their female mentees is like making them a little bit more um arrogant yeah. <laughs> like, you know as, like as we said less female right the, acting less female yeah the uh the confidence of the average male of the mediocre <laughs> yeah. male we can like yeah, yeah, imbue exactly. our female yeah i mean there's like yeah we keep all saying like of, there's yeah. all kinds of interpretations of this data and and if your worldview is like you like you you're like a radical feminist and um have you know want to reshape reshape academia in the field like this data is not um 
it's not incompatible with that worldview. And, and this yeah. is even what some people were saying. Their, their reactions were like, oh, what was that one tweet that you showed me? Like, oh, that if they found a gender inequality, their conclusion would be stop being female. Right? Yeah. And it's like, well, no, right? But like, right. if they, if this data shows like a true effect... Uh, and even in their final uh, paragraph, they say this. It's like gender gender equity is important. We should be mm-hmm. continue pushing for gender equity, and like this shouldn't just rest on the shoulders of female. I think is their last. Yeah, yeah. Sentence. And they're, so they're kind of. I think their their point of view is that like in in a lot of diversity initiatives, the focus is on um, females should mentor other females, and yeah. there's there's yeah, other yeah. data showing that like. Uh, when pe- when females have more female mentors, they're more likely to stay in academia. So right. there was a, a paper from like 2018, and I don't know anything about the methods of that or anything Mm-mm. like that. And I guess these these authors, their their key point to me is that like you you know like w- with the world as it is, it seems like like females that have more female mentors go on to have like less impl- less impact in terms of publications mm-hmm. like this might be a data point uh that we need to think about or like need yeah. to think about the interpretation and i mean they explicitly say that they're not sure what the the mechanism is and i just yeah. if you i don't know i just like yeah i don't i don't think this is shoddy science by any means mm. right and i yeah mm. yeah and uh, i mean it, uh, our friend Tej Ray, um, yeah. Tej Rai, uh, rather, um, it wrote a really interesting tweet, uh, I thought, where he, he basically, like, admitted that um, different claims should be held to different standards, yeah. uh, different, like, standards of rigor, uh, depending on, like, uh, the impact, right? Mm-hmm. Like, depending on prize, he said, but also, like, impact, right? So. Yeah. So, like, in his view, like, as... And he's, what, editor at Nature, is it? Science. Um, science. Yeah, in his view, if there's a... F- if there's a find... I guess, like, if there's a finding that's going to make... Uh, you know, it's going to make, like, left-wing scientists mad or that they're going to, like, um, feel that can be misinterpreted, that finding should be held to greatest... stricter standards of rigor than a finding that people like or that people want to believe in. And I just, I, that's a, like, I I think he could make a a good argument for that. Like, and in some ways I think you can make a good argument for that. Like if there's a, if there's a finding that like, um, yeah, like if, if it is the case, right? Like let's say there's no methodological problems, right? And Mm -hmm. somebody did a perfect study and found that, women uh having women as mentors does harm your career right Mm -hmm. yeah i can see like i can see how that could be harmful for women in science because like if you if that finding's out there you believe it's a causal effect you may be less likely to seek out female mentors female scientists might have a harder time finding good students uh to be their mentees yes Mm -hmm. i can see how that finding might like harm women um but don't you think that this would do the same thing? Because that is, does seem like that's how people are interpreting these results. So, yeah, but I don't. 
Well, I haven't seen a single person inter- interpret the results that way, actually. I, I mean, I, I don't think the, the authors of this paper were um, married to that interpretation yeah, but of the Yeah, but isn't that what people are upset about? Because they think mm. the paper is saying that, yeah, having female mentors harms your you know, future impact as a scientist. And I mean, why else would you be upset about it if you if you didn't assume that that's what the the, the takeaway message is that maybe mm. female mentees should not work with female mentors because it's hurting their chances to be a you know more impactful scientist. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, right. I guess I just think like even if if this was a finding that was held to the absolute top scientific Mm -hmm. standards of rigor and we did find something that like is true Mm -hmm. but nonetheless harmful to women Mm -hmm. like what would Tej Rai say right like it can if something's true but harmful to a group in society should we censor it right should we not publish it should we not study it Uh, Mm -hmm. like and I guess I think like I, I guess I think that we've talked about before that is is not yeah, ought, right? That's like a the, great the, question. Yeah. The, the, the facts of the world do not demand, like the, right. some scientific Don't have to align with, yeah. Doesn't imply any kind of policy response or it doesn't imply any like action on the part of individuals. And to be honest, like if you are a student and you're looking for a mentor uh, and there's this like effect in the literature, like that science wide, right mm-hmm. like across all of science oh it seems like like people that have more female like is that really going to affect your decision right of like okay there's this researcher at this university and i happen to like their work and mm-hmm. i happen to admire them uh yeah. but uh like there's this weird like science communications finding that like there's this effect across the entirety of science across three million papers they found a like significant correlation like is that really going to affect your decision of who to work with i kind of don't think so Um, is it going to affect who an institution hires like would they like say well we should hire more men because they're better mental like i don't think so i think like you know with this like a lot like everybody wants diverse faculty diverse staff like i don't think it's gonna cost anybody a job this finding i don't know i just think like and even if Mm. even if it is true it's like well why why right like why like yeah. there, there's all sorts of like interpretations that um all sort uh, of mechanisms that could yeah, be yeah yeah like right. uh, you know are, are the males just able to give more opportunities somehow to their mentees yeah. and if so let's look into that it's like surely knowing the truth helps you like solve the problems in the world and create the world that you want right like and i think that like yeah just this idea that like well some facts are harmful other facts are good and helpful i don't know these people seem to want science just to be like left-wing propaganda yeah right like that's th- that's the icky part of it like i i the the question of like whether if something is true and harmful what do we do with it i think is a great question i don't know what the answer is but mm. i am uncomfortable Hmm. with just how people are acting where they're like we don't want to look at certain facts hmm. because yeah they don't align with how we want to see like and if if, I, if you tell me a fact i don't like yeah any any tr- methodological flaw is enough for yeah. me <laughs> yeah. to, to not only like 
personally disbelieve it, but to call for the fucking retraction yeah, of I'm the like, paper, yeah, let's pull like, all your papers right, out from when yeah. you were a young <laughs> researcher. Let's look at that, yeah. those methodologies, and maybe we'll retract all your papers. It's crazy. It's, and it I, is. Yeah, like I... And to do this to, yeah, like a, like a yeah, to a young, Eastern, a young color. Oh. woman of color researcher. Nobody, nobody has said that. No, Nobody apart from you has mentioned that, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, it's insane that... People aren't even thinking about that, mm. like what they're and doing this is, to this this researcher's career. But this is such an interesting dynamic about like Twitter and outrage, outrage mobs and stuff like that, because you disagree. I disagree. We have like a, a, a listener of the podcast who we've talked to via messenger who disagrees as well. Right, None right, of us right. are tweeting publicly about this. Right. True. I mean, Nicholas Christakis I mean, yes. is, is kind of out there on his own and like the, you know, right. the usual cast of characters. And I'm sure, um, Lee Jasim is, is out. I haven't seen it, yeah. but like, I'd bet I you like a thousand dollars that he, yeah, Bone Weingard. So it's just these, these <laughs> yeah. people who've sort of taken it on themselves to be the heterodox right. types. I saw like Chris yeah. Martin, but like mm. this is, I, and I mean, we're releasing this podcast. So I think we're in that Motley yeah, crew. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I know, but like, I don't know. We're we're a lot braver on the podcast than we are with our actual tweets. So, yeah, I just think there's this weird dynamic. I mean, even Manny like tweeted about it, yeah. and, and he yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. "Yeah, I'm not really sure retraction is is the right, yeah, is something like that." So, but it's it's so fascinating how like the the people who have the radical view who want to retract it who are outraged like they're, they're the only ones tweeting right like and and yeah. the pe- the people who like like i'm sure like actually probably the majority of people i follow on twitter either haven't read the paper or if they did read the paper we'd kind of just be like well the methods weren't that bad and like mm-hmm. definitely not lower than your the average and and anyway like the researchers weren't the conclusions that they came to weren't yeah, actually weren't like they weren't saying like what people much, are yeah. saying that they're saying so yeah I, I think that but just like we're all just silent because we're scared of this mob mentality yeah. and it's so yeah i don't know like this just reading just comment after comment after comment just calling for their attraction and just making these like yeah. Just claiming the moral high, not only the moral high ground, but the intellectual high ground yeah. while making like intellectually like v- vapid claims. Uh, yeah, it's. Have you thought about like, hard. I was thinking, what if this happens to me, right? Let's say I mm. publish some paper and suddenly there's a mob that's mm. like, oh, you know, this needs to be retracted. I was trying to think like how I would react to that. Um, yeah, it's it. it I mean, I wonder, I mean, this, these people are in Abu Dhabi, who knows if they're even on Twitter. Um, but I, probably not. I actually emailed the lead author and invited her right. to, to come on the pod. And, you know, I just sort of said, like, I'm sure you're aware there's this a bit of controversy around this. No, I think somebody and- put out uh, their email and asked people to email this person. Oh. So I'm sure she's just been bombarded yeah, yeah. with emails, Oof. which I, which I thought was just a, like, so obnoxious that somebody would do that yeah like like what what are you what are you trying to accomplish like i guess it's just this they were trying to say that this person should retract their own paper i guess yeah like you you're you publish this paper it's it's so flawed it's harmful to women don't you realize that you should retract it let's see what happens i personally i really hope that that author just stands their ground and i hope that nature communication stands their ground yeah and i hope i just hope that they just say look no like we're not 
we're not saying we're like women are, it, yeah. we're not saying women are worse mentors we're just saying there's this pattern in the data that needs explanation yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, there's methodological problems with the classifier and stuff like that. But none of those would create this spurious gender effect. As far as I can see, nobody's nobody's mentioned a single way in which any of these methodological flaws would lead to you seeing an, this gender effect right. when it's actually not there. I think like it's probably there like it's an interesting yeah. it's an interesting relationship in data yeah. but it doesn't it's it, it by itself it doesn't really speak to the mechanism right and i just and yeah and like, if you really cared yeah if you really cared about fixing this then you should be like asking yourself mm. why is that happening like mm. what is the you know what are the mechanisms let's think mm. about that and then see how we can fix those instead yeah. of trying to get this paper retracted. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's what and bothers saw- me with a lot of this like advocacy, Twitter advocacy, mm. is like people are just, you know, these, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're focusing on the mm. wrong things. Yeah, like think about all the like, energy a- that's being put into retracting this paper. Like if you just spend more time mentoring your female students, mm. Mm. given that time, yeah. you know, that would, that would add more, yeah. you know, that would benefit females more than getting this paper retracted. Yeah. I saw one tweet that was like, well, we don't need this paper to tell us that you'll be more successful if you work with the big shot white male academic at the at the school. Right. Mm. And that's sort of getting oh. close. That's sort of getting close to the mindset of like, mm. yeah, like I, I accept that this relationship might be there in the data. But like, you know, like I, I have my own interpretation of like how this came to be. And, I, and it, it misses the mark a little bit because their analysis, for example, controlled the gender analysis controlled for the impact of the researcher, right? So we're not yes. we're not comparing like some big shot white male academic mm-hmm. with some like struggling female. We're comparing like a big shot male with a big shot female, mm-hmm. um, and we're still sort of like finding this relationship in the data. Yeah. But like, yeah, you can like if this person was willing to like go beyond that and say, oh, well, actually they're comp- comparing for impact and they're still finding this gender. Um, difference so like what what do you think it like beyond that what do you think it might be and like uh, and there's all sorts of there's all sorts of all sorts of things that could be like creating this relationship and and yeah yeah I just I I feel I I don't know like I feel like the these people are just making a mockery of science in a way like and just making fools of themselves and like I don't know like it Ah, it, it makes me not want to really be in academia. Aww. Like, if if this is the reaction, and, and like I know, like these outraged people on Twitter are not representative of academia. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, none of the other people are willing to stand up to these people at the moment. Yeah. So. I think we're just going to keep moving in this outrage direction. And like every month there'll be some new paper that like makes people upset because there'll be some possible interpretation of the data that like they've, you know, these bad, these bad actors in their minds could possibly interpret the data in a racist way or a sexist way or a ableist way or a transphobic way or a homophobic way. Um, And they'll just keep being these calls to censor and retract and, And I, yeah, I mean, we've been having this conversation in other journal clubs as well. It's like, yeah, what do you do? Like, what is your responsibility as a researcher if your research could be misinterpreted or, you know, misused in any way? And I'm just like, well, yeah, that could happen with anything. That could Mm -hmm. happen in any case with, like, how, like, how do you 
stop yeah. that from happening. And, and the other thing is, yeah, this sort of weird move on the left to always just, you know, impute the worst intentions on people. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's part of the problem where they're just they're, they're sort of just like the, the, mm-hmm. the default is to assume that, yeah, everything and everybody is just racist and sexist. Yeah. Uh did you remember like a few months ago there was actually quite a similar paper um in that came out in pnas it was called the diversity innovation paradox in science Hmm. um no and i the reason i bring it up is because it's it's it presents quite an interesting contrast so in this paper what they did was they got like hmm 1.5 million PhD dissertations or something like Mm. that between 1977 and 2015. And Mm. they used like complex machine learning algorithms to detect. um, So they used a a, complex machine learning algorithm. They used a linear regression. They used a name classifier. So similar to these people to classify the race and gender of Mm -hmm. the uh, authors of all the PhD dissertations. But then they used machine learning and text analysis to um, quantify the innovativeness uh, of Hmm. each of the dissertations. And the way they did that was by isolating like different concepts in, in the dissertation. So like, you know, maybe if I talk about implicit bias, that's a a Mm -hmm. concept, or maybe Mm -hmm. if I talk about um, social dominance theory, that's another concept. And they try to find out like, the concepts that you're sort of linking together, have they been mm-hmm. linked together before in, hmm. a pre- in a previous dissertation? And so like, yeah, if you link concepts that haven't been linked before, mm-hmm. your paper is scored as being innovative. And mm-hmm. so they use this method like across like, yeah, like a million papers or a million dissertations hmm. to show that um, uh, diverse authors, so like authors like underrepresented groups, were more mm. innovative, mm. but their their innovations were less sort of taken up by others. So like, or so female authors in male dominated fields, or like uh, minority um, minority racial group authors were mm-hmm. more likely to sort of combine concepts in a unique way. Uh, but those combinations were less likely then to be used again, like again. in further dissertations, mm. right? So it's a similar kind of thing. It's like using computers uh, and using like trying yeah. to like analyze a, like a whole mm-hmm. bunch of data to try, to try to draw conclusions. But in that case, the conclusion... <laughs> the story, yeah. <laughs> in that case, the conclusion was that, oh, you know, diversity leads to innovation. More innovation. Which is obviously like... And I did see some people question the methodology of this mm-hmm. paper when it came out. Like, I, I think Samin Vazir was like, wait, so how are they scoring innovation? Mm, like, how yeah. does that work? So, like, if I just combine, like, random, unrelated uh, ideas, mm. uh, my paper gets scored as very innovative. Mm. Um, but nobody called for this paper to be retracted, right? right? Like, yeah. And I, I would say the methodology is probably as shaky if not more like Mm. actually trying to score like scientific innovation just by this classification method like trying to use like text analysis to like combinations that's very like um and this this paper actually did less to sort of justify the use of classifications like i don't Mm. think they even went in and got papers scored for innovativeness and compared it to their classifier. Um, mm. Whereas these, the, in this gender paper, they uh, like at least went in and checked 
they got a sample of 167 oh, yeah. people and asked them, was there mentorship? We've classified, right. we've classified this as being this person mentoring you. Is that the case? Did they provide right. mentorship to you? Mm-hmm. And right, yeah, right, like right, it was right. imperfect, but it was okay. Like a, about 80% of the time people said, mm-hmm. yeah, there was some, there was some mentorship between this person and me. I was thinking mm-hmm. for myself, it would work perfectly. Like yeah. the, the papers that I've published would perfectly classify who was my mentor at Berkeley uh, mm-hmm. and who I got mentorship from. Yeah. So, yeah, like to me, it's just just points to the like absolute hypocrisy. Is it hypocrisy? It's like it's definitely like like bias and yeah, definitely, definitely asymmetrical. Yeah, unequal applications of standards for you know papers telling a story that you really like in the case of the diversity paper versus a story that you really dislike because yeah. it could be interpreted in this way that you dislike not that the mm-hmm. authors actually are but yeah so yeah i don't know smriti it's it's not the biggest pro- like as many would say like that these people are not as bad as trump but they're pretty no. fucking annoying definitely not but but i think but i think like if if we keep moving in this direction like Mm. i don't think that's good Mm. for science either right like i don't think it's good that we sort of like yeah it was social science but like uh, you know only only findings consistent with one worldview can yeah can like can be allowed Stay to stand in the, in, yeah. in the literature like, yeah that's not good yeah like it's what what happened to the goal of like i don't know truth and like unbiased ob- i don't yeah i don't know like i don't yeah, know like, I, I feel I like mean, we're psychologists right like to us like to me i look at the i look at twitter the last two days and all i see is like bias right like all i like but then like we are social psychologists like this is what we think about all the time it's amazing that these super like hyper intelligent people who are doing science just seem completely blind to their their own their own biases Biases. or their, their own like double standards and hypocrisy it's it's amazing to me yeah, but I, I, but I think again. I, I'll say this again. Like I feel like the intentions are good, and I wonder how much. Well, in the sense that you know, people. I, I think people honestly probably think that this having this in the literature probably adds to the whole narrative that women can't do science or aren't good, you know, um, in academia or whatever. Right? I think to that. Like, so I, I get that. Oh, that I was a classic think, response. Raise your hand if you've had a good female yeah, mentor. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. oh, but, wow. But, <laughs> you really rebutted that paper. They really <laughs> shouldn't have... equals one. Yeah. They, they really shouldn't have made that claim that no female has ever been a good mentor in the history of science. You really nailed them there with that with that anecdote of raising yeah. your hand. Oh, it's crazy. Like, it's yeah. child, but, but, but But I think it, it also probably is, you know, it's like the pendulum swinging the other way too far, right? Mm. I think... Mm it's it's probably a reaction to mm. just the people on the right and just things mm. being extreme and i think people mm. on the left are just moving a little bit too far yeah. off the cliff i think i'm going to i think i i am going to cop some of this i like yeah. my so in my most recent implicit bias data yeah uh like i'm like now sort of zooming in on the targets so it's just from the waist up mm-hmm. and i i find like 
anti-male bias and anti-black bias, right? So I have mm-hmm. like these intersectional targets. I'm like, mm. well, what happens when, you know, we just let the targets look right, like right, real right. people, right? So I do find anti-black bias. I do find anti-male bias. Mm. The anti-male bias is five times stronger than the anti-black bias. Mm. And I, wow. like, in terms of effect size, and the it's still very, very noisy. Um, and this is, like, largely female undergrad samples. So, mm. like, I, I really need to, like, work with more representative samples, right? That, right. But I could see this kind of reaction. Um, yeah. I could see people having this, this, like, genre of reaction to that kind of finding. It's like, what, you're trying to, you're trying to say males are the true yeah. victims of implicit <laughs> bias? Like... <laughs> Uh, and no, I'm not. Yeah. I, I, like, I'm trying to like do tell research in good faith says, and yeah. tell you tell you the results. But like, right. I just feel, yeah, like in our field at yeah. the moment, I just feel like I'm gonna have a real uphill battle. And like, you know, any tiny methodological flaw is gonna be enough for people just to like yeah. shrug, shrug it off and ig- ignore it. You know. But you also said, Paul, that you wish somebody, when we were talking about the Corey Clark papers, you said that you wish people looked at your paper with that kind of scrutiny, so. Well, yeah, I mean, it's so. true. Like, when, we, yeah, like, when um, when we don't like the results, we become very, very good. Skeptical. Very, yeah, very good, good at, like, like yeah. applying scientific rigor and skepticism. Yeah. And I, I stand by that. Like, yeah, if, yeah, yeah, I if agree. Only, yeah. If only every every finding was held right. to the same degree same standard. of scrutiny. Yeah. I mean, I like the I read the reviews. It was quite interesting to read the reviews and the authors' responses to the reviews. I mean, that whole thing that they did of like actually surveying people mm-hmm. who they had classified that was a great addition, and that came yeah. through the peer review process. Nice. And so, to me, like peer review process worked fairly well in this case. Mm-hmm. And I think there was one reviewer that was like, no, you're really studying, studying co-authorship, not mentorship. Mm. But I think the, the, I think the authors have a pretty good argument. They're like, well, yeah. no, like we are like pretty accurately categorizing things as mentorships. And, mm-hmm. e- and even if it's like not perfectly accurate, yeah, like you can't just say, oh, your measurement's not perfect. Therefore I reject the results. That's not yeah. how measurement error works. Right. It's not. Yeah. So, so then, I mean, that reviewer, I'd like to say, okay, so well, why do you think having more female co-authors is associated yeah. with lower like impact, right? Because yeah. then you've just shifted the, you've just shifted the conversation. Like now, like you're just arg- arguing about semantics almost and mm-hmm. interpretation. So yeah, yeah uh, I don't know. I thought the reviews were strong. I mean, they, they, they're just picking holes like wherever they can see them, but that's what reviewers do. That's what it's for, yeah. And I thought that their responses to the reviewers were pretty good and... I don't know. I'd love to have her on the podcast. I, I mean, I'm sure yeah. she's not she's not reading all her emails no, at the moment. No, probably not. Um, um, but yeah, like I really hope they don't retract it. I really do. Um, well, they did put up a notice, you know, on their on the website. It. It's they're, that they're looking into it. Um, Tough. I mean, for those ed- like I mean, now we have to rely on the editorial board having moral courage to stand up to the mob, and I don't. Yeah. I think that might be too much to ask at this point of history. Like, I, I don't, I, 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 God, I mean, the, if you're that first author, I don't know, what the hell do you do, right? Like you've angered this mob. It's, it's probably very hard for that first author to know how reflective the mob is of the science community at large because of how silent uh, everybody, everybody else is, else like is. The, the more moderate people. Yeah. So, 
maybe she will be scared into retracting it, which, for, I mean, she's a postdoc. This is like a young woman, early career researcher. Like for her to have, to, and I'm sure this paper was an enormous amount of work. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 I, absolutely. I mean, couldn't she, I, I feel like she, there's got to be a middle ground. Like she could just write like a response, right, to the criticisms, right? Like yeah. she could write like, yeah, like, um, people were angered by certain sentences that I wrote. I want to. I want to be clear that I'm not we saying. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this data shows that women are worse mentors, but there is this clear relationship in the data that needs explanation and is mm -hmm. consistent with the numbers. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I hope all. they do something like that as opposed to retracting mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think. I mean, maybe the mob would calm down a little bit if they realized she was a young woman of color. Yeah, I. Herself. I mean, but don't you think they've. Look, uh, maybe they haven't. No, maybe not. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, I doubt many people even read it. They read to, the paper. To, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, because if that lady who said um, it wouldn't pass first year methods uh -huh. publicly on Twitter, yeah. a professional researcher who said that, if she has read the paper, then she's being like knowingly dishonest. Yeah. Right? I, I would prefer to think that she's speaking out of ignorance and not yeah. dishonesty. Because surely honesty, actually, like, um, professor at the, in the poli sci department, and I had this as my Twitter bio for a while, is like the scarcest resource in, in, in academia is not intelligence, it's honesty. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Just, what, why do you think he Jeet, thinks that is? Just yeah. Jeet Sekon Smith. Well, because of shit like this. Like, he's, he's actually like, I mean, he's kind of a conservative guy. Um, mm -hmm. like a neoliberal type guy, like not definitely not a Marxist. Mm -hmm. And he, he's at Berkeley and he's doing political science at Berkeley. And he even said in one of the classes that he has gravitated more towards methods and like causal inference because he was sick of people just like calling him evil for like, <sighs> for like disagreeing with stuff that people want to believe or like mm. agreeing with stuff that people don't want to believe like this. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, again, we're social psychologists, so we know better than anybody else that, you know, people are biased. But mm. as scientists, at least, right, I think we should try to keep that in check. Yeah. Um, but and it doesn't. We're biased too, right? Like, I, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, sure. I, f I was trying to keep, like, I was, like, uh, when I was thinking about this and thinking about the reaction and when I was reading the paper, mm -hmm. I was aware that, like, like definitely I have this prior that yeah, the the outrage mob is wrong and they're overreacting. Mm, right, and right. like um and I do believe that, but I also would happily admit that I I do have a bias in that direction and like right. I do have you know, a confirmation bias to see that. Um Yeah. So I mean when so, I Yeah. When I read papers like that I try to think like what would I think of this paper if I didn't know all of the mm. things that are happening that people are talking about, right? Mm. Mm. Would I would I would I make the same conclusions that other people are making? Would I think this is terrible mm. research or that they're claiming something outrageous? Mm. Um, I like to think no, you know. Mm. Um, like I mean, some of the things that they're saying, I was like, yeah. Again, it's the same with the Court Clark paper, right? I think how you say things matter. Um, so mm. I think. You know, they could have not said something, but you also have to keep in mind that English is probably also not their first language, right? Mm. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. 
Mm. Like, but I, but I know I wouldn't have been as out. Like, it wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought. Oh, like how horrific is this? Mm. You know, and this is totally this going to just damage the reputation of women scientists. Like, I would not mm. have. Like, that would not be my conclusion. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I was so aware of the controversy when I read the paper that I. Don't yeah, know. it's hard not. It's, yeah, it's really hard to know how I would have reacted to it. It'd be so fascinating to like chart like exactly the progression of the outrage mob right like who was the first person yeah, that tweeted it about start? it where yeah. you know exactly how it started and then who joined yeah. in then and yeah who even I mean, found it yeah i mean we could do meta science on that right like we could get all the tweets and we could scrape twitter and just like yeah do meta science we should just on start keeping tabs on yeah all the paper that are being called to be retracted and mm. then yeah mm. yeah well I'm really interested to see what's happened. We'll we'll update everybody next week, yeah. uh, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think we've been talking for quite a while now. I yeah. thought this was going to be fast, but no. But it's faster than our the rest of our conversations. So yeah, for that. sure. And yeah. you always have the 1.5 speed button. <laughs> do, do you? Yeah, yeah. On Apple podcasts, you can speed them up. Really. Yeah, it's awful though. I, I, I didn't mean, realize yeah. that, but yeah, Some people yeah that love doesn't it, seem like a good idea. I mean, podcasts are different because you're trying to ha- hear people have a conversation. Mm. I'll sometimes do it with like lectures, or if I'm watching some like technical mm-hmm. stuff that's just going too slow, then I'll speed that up. But this is a conversation. Please don't speed us up. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. Each to their own. Well, before we go, I do want to give a shout out to our Twitter friend Jack Frederick, who's a senior at uc davis and is working on his applications um so Mm -hmm. you know good luck jack if you need our help let us know but he did say that our podcast has been helping him Mm. indirectly and he likes hearing it during the break i'm like oh that makes me very happy yeah (laughs) good luck mate um (laughs) applying to grad school so i'm trying to help a research assistant at the moment apply to grad school and it's it's so it's such a ambiguous black box like it's so hard it's so hard like and i I really, you know, my heart goes out to anybody out there. Yeah. Applying to grad Especially school. Especially right now. Like, I mean, my God, what an what a weird time to apply yeah. to graduate school. Yeah. My God. Yeah. But um yeah, well, great talking to you, Paul. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. And, and yeah, I'll talk see you, to you next, next week. week. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.